Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had a terrific New Year with your friends, family, or whatever you were doing. I actually tried bringing in the New Year by sleeping so I could be actually refreshed and alive for 2020 and a new decade. Didn't exactly work out like that. I was interrupted by a mosquito, which kept trying to bite me. Um, It wasn't fun at all. (laughs) So I spent most of the night trying to kill the damn thing. Uh, anyway, it was still, I still felt pretty alive come 2020 anyway, but regardless of that, welcome one and all to a new decade, a new year, and welcome to a new episode of the Storybox podcast. My name is Jared Phantom, and for all of you that are tuning in for the first time or you're a returning listener, thank you all so much for coming back and for listening. Really, really do appreciate it. This week on the show, I have a good friend of mine coming on. His name's Ra Sharma. He's a cinematographer. He's a self-taught cinematographer. So his journey in becoming who he is now is very, very interesting. So you guys are going to get a lot out of what he says. If you are interested in film or if you're not, there's still some pretty decent things that he does talk about and say in this interview. Um, it was stinking hot in his garage, and I apologize if some of my questions and my thought processes were all over the place or over the shot. Ra sort of brought them back, <laughs> so thanks so much for that, Ra. But I literally like I couldn't think. Uh, it was just so hot in there. I was, I was sweating like a sweating like a trooper, and yeah, I wanted to um, do my best, but anyway, try and get some fresh air at the same time. But um, without me continuing on, everyone, I would now like to introduce you, my good friend, Ra Sharma. Enjoy. Okay. Well, um, I'm Ra Sharma. I am a cinematographer, filmmaker based in Sydney, Australia. I'm self-taught. And the reason I do this is because I love creating artwork. Um, I believe every filmmaker is a, a, a artist. You know, we're not just it's, it's a filmmaker. When you say you're a filmmaker, there's a lot of things you have to do. It's not just a cinematographer. you got to do everything from start. And being in a country such as Australia where a film market is so small, you got to learn how to do everything. And sometimes that does help because when you're on set and even on a bigger set, you can appreciate and understand what other people are doing. Mm, 100%. And how long have you been doing it for? Oh, wow. Um, a very short time. So I've only been doing this for about, I'd say, three years. Um, I started full time into it with the full bang. Um, before that, I used to do weddings for about two years. Um, that was okay. Um, could have been better, could have been different, but it just wasn't for me because I'm not good with routine. Mm. I'm not good with this, uh, shooting the same thing over and over again. And that's why you might see 
me shooting and uh, filming things which are different all the time. And that actually kind of hits my nerves and, and makes me feel better and, and just helps me keep on going. Mm. So you live, like from what I've seen as well, you're always out and about different yeah. locations. Yeah. You're always filming different and unique things. Yeah. Um, so have you always wanted to be a filmmaker? No, actually, well, I'm born in Fiji and when I was little, I wanted to build planes, um, um, you know, build aircraft. I always used to break my brother's toys and build boats and things which never succeeded. But the idea is um, I always liked being practical. I always liked, you know, I didn't like the theory part, but theory part is still important. For me, I like doing things with my hand. I, I want to have something tangible to be able to see things, um, shoot things and things like that. Mm -hmm. So out of nowhere, um, when I came to Australia, um, as, as you always do, you start following people, you start looking up to them. And then I started doing websites, um, started doing marketing and that was um, challenging at first, but then got into it and then I decided, okay, I wanna be able to do something where I do it and people can override it because with marketing, with websites, you do your work and then you won't get recognized, everything's gone. A new company will come and change it. So I decided to do films as it was a new way of telling story. Um, um, I was not always good at telling story because all my storytelling is very hard and and uh, dark. Um, I like dark stuff. Um, <laughs> it's 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 look. The thing is, you got to do something different, right? If you do something which everyone's doing the same thing, then it's the same old story. So um, I suppose yeah, that's what got me in, and I love watching movies and. I can spend hours on Netflix. I binge watch all the time. So I said, might as well start doing something into it. And we started with weddings, um, which kicked over a ride. And then we decided to just shoot a film and, and it just all happened. So you went, how did you actually teach yourself? Did you like watch videos? What was the process like for that? <clears throat> so uh, a very intelligent person once told me, there's two ways of learning filmmaking, um, two ways of getting into any industry. One is you go you, you go to a school uh, education system and pay thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you get your certificate and then you go get experience. Or you start doing your own projects and start doing other people's projects, but you screw up a lot. Um, you make mistakes, you fall down, you get back up. You say, you're still spending the same amount of money, but you learn the different way. Mm -hmm. The reason I chose the path was because I wanted to make mistakes more time. Um, if I can make mistakes now, it's better for me um, later on to be able to do my work. And plus me being a practical person, um, um, it just works better for me. And I don't have $100,000 to go to you know college. Some people have the flexibility, I don't. Um, I've done a lot of things myself and um, taught myself and literally learned from experience. So can you talk about some of the failures that you've had? Oh, wow. Um, because I'm sure there would be heaps. Yeah, to be honest, weddings. I can speak to you about weddings straight away. Um, it wasn't something for me. Um, I got into weddings, it was really good. But my problem was I always wanted to deliver a cinematic footage to that extent where you're using multiple cameras, largest teams. It wasn't a very simple setup where you just take a camera in hand and go. Um, we started off with three cameras minimum. Um, and the reason I've done that is because I always was, well, let's roll back. I start off with two cameras, um, one camera for myself and one camera for the assistant. And then I started looking into it and while editing, I decided, okay, two cameras is not enough. Let's look at movies. How do they do it? And then I started following more people internationally when they do weddings and how they do it. Um, what's the difference between them? How can I be niche in the market and how can I grow? So then we started increasing cameras and not only increased cameras for the reason of flexibility and editing, but I lost footages. 
in past I have had shooters who worked with me and um, they have lost footages and I had to refund money to clients and stuff like that. So as you can see, that's a way of learning. And unfortunately, um, things have happened and then I have decided that I'm not suited for the industry for weddings. It's something that I'm not emotionally capable of taking or filming as much as I enjoyed it because it was really good to see memories of families and really good to see people laughing and enjoying about it. But then I'm like, okay, this is not going to work out. So I've actually refunded, I'd say, a lot of money to people because I either they were not happy with my work or I was not happy myself with it. Or it has been just an area where the team that I assembled, they couldn't actually produce what I expected. Um, and it happens in the industry a lot that you will get to a stage where you hire a lot of people, right? But they won't do work as good as you until you are present there. So I started booking double weddings and things like that. And then the quality kind of, you know, was not as good as that I expected. Mm. So I learned from that and, um, you know, a lot of headaches, <laughs> going through a lot of situations up and down. And then one day my wife said, look, Ra, it's about time you stop it. You know, you stop it because it's not for you. It's not working out. And I did. And it's probably one of the best things I've ever done. And what was the process like going from weddings to, I guess, corporate things? And being broke. Being broke. Being broke. Yep, yeah. it happens. Um, everyone's going to come to a situation where sometimes you have a lot of money, sometimes you don't. Um, money is like dissolving, is evaporating. You know, it will be there with you one day. It won't be there with you one day. So I reckon the best thing you can do is invest um, um, in talent, in asset, in people. Um, you know, it's it's actually really funny. I was um I was listening to listening to um, a, a TED talk recently one day. Um, I think it was yesterday or day before. Um, it came up on my newsfeed. And <clears throat> it was about how leaders are created. I'm not saying I am one, but what I'm saying is it actually made me understand how I would do things later on if, if it was the case. When you're a parent, right, when you're a parent, I'm no one, but I see this. When you're a parent, let's just say you're the leader and you have your children, right? and your children make a mistake, you're not gonna fire them out of work and say, see you later, right? You're gonna educate them. And that's why there's actually a few companies around the globe I've actually been hearing about. They have a no, um, no fire policy. So your performance, if you have an issue with work, they won't fire you, right? So what they do is they put you in a training platform, they're putting you in an education platform to help you understand and learn. And that's what me, made me realize that, hey, maybe I can improve myself as well by having my team um, um, not just not just someone starting up junior, helping new upcoming filmmakers as well, but also to be able to hire people who are actually better than me. And the reason I started hiring people who are better than me is because firstly, I have to train them, right? Make, saves me the time. Secondly, I learn from them. I actually learn something every day. Even though I'm traveling, even though I'm doing so much things with different brands, I still like to learn something. So that's why it's really good to be around people who are who are actually already achieved something that you desire, or just, you know, just to be able to have in the right group because you literally become the person who you hang around with. Mm. Yeah. It's the old saying, show me who your friends are or yeah. show me who you hang around and I'll show you who you are. Yeah. So yeah. That, that rings true Yeah. So I guess your story. That's yeah. actually quite smart. I, I really, <laughs> yeah, really good. <laughs> I should have done that when I was like really, really younger. But um, Man, I'll, you know, I'll I was be too honest. scared. <laughs> yeah. Like, is I mean, that fear of like, you know, meeting someone that knows more than you? Yeah. Even though you want to be a sponge, it's like that, oh, I don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, I feel like an idiot yeah. if, if I don't know anything. But then you're just there to learn. Yes, exactly. So. Exactly. But see, what happens is it's it's like saying, um, um, 
uh, how can I say this? This is where you cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, we keep rolling. <laughs> yeah, we we keep rolling. Okay, well, this is this is the jet lag then. Bangkok jet lag coming in. You just got back from yeah. Bangkok. Yeah. <laughs> what, what were you doing over in Bangkok? Can you talk about so that? So I was there with Ziyun. Um, um, Ziyun Tech is a gimbal company. They're releasing a new gimbal called, well, released now, a new gimbal called Weeble S. So we flew to Bangkok. Um, I was there hosting their live event and helping the team with the launch. It was in Thailand, Bangkok. It was really good, good event. Um, good to see how the distributors work, made some new friends, met some previous friends. Um, it was good. You yeah. get to travel all over the world doing what you do. Uh, at times when I'm fortunate and lucky enough and I, if I have time, um, I don't want to lose my roots of you know filming. I still love filming. I don't want to just become a speaker and don't want to just travel around and doing workshops, but I still want to film. And that's why, that's how I keep my passion going, you know, mm -hmm. by having the filming part, also having the travel part combined together, it kind of helps. Is that all paid for by the brand or? Uh, well, it depends what brand it is, how it is. Every brand kind of works differently, but yeah, most of the time I travel, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying for myself. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> I well, wish like, yeah. It, it, it takes time and effort and a lot of time to be able to do that. Um, um, you need to, either you need to master a product or you need to master something that you're good at. Um, and that's why, you know, um, look, to be honest, no offense to all, a lot of people who actually do this or don't do this. As I said, it's good to know everything, right? It's good to know how sound works, good to know how lighting works, good to know how film, you know, how to use a camera, how to edit but you need to still have a focus on one piece of it. Um, if you can do that, then you'll get recognized on one part of it, right? But it's good to know all the other stuff for your own benefits to be able to know how it works. Um, what if you get stuck with someone one day and they can't do it? You can do it yourself, all of those. So I started um, I started my YouTube channel. Um, it doesn't have too many subscribers um, because I'm not a full-time YouTuber. I'm not a YouTuber. I prefer to be a filmmaker um, and then be secondary as a YouTuber. But then what happened is before I even actually started posting much videos, um, Ziyun started approaching me in regards to traveling and talking at their workshops as a keynote speaker. So I started doing that and then from there, um, recently I got recognized with Nikon. Um, I'm actually doing something with Nikon Z6 cameras and um, just came back from Dubai. Uh, we ran a workshop over there at the Expo um, in Sharjah and the response was really good. And then now in November, we have Dubai, Egypt and South Africa to cover. So I have three weeks before I leave. Wow. <laughs> you just got back. <laughs> yeah, I just got back. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. And I guess hearing about Nikon, because is it sort of being resurrected again? Because it sort of went away for a little bit. I noticed. It's it's like saying, look, every brand has a focus, right? I suppose Nikon had a focus in photography, not video. Um, and uh, there's always a time where photographers start transitioning to videos. And with this world and, and now the way things work, a lot of things that we do in life has become soul. You know, you do ourselves. Yep. You don't have a team to do it. Either the corporations don't have a budget to do it or you don't have a budget to do it. <laughs> so what you end up doing is you end up doing a lot of things yourself. Um, that, of course, saying in more indie market, more corporate market and more um, wedding market and things like that. I know actually very successful million dollar companies which are still running wedding business, but they only use one shooter and it works because it's more retro, it's more classy, it's different on how it is. So having that massive setup has become the traditional norm and now people are going to a different Small way of doing one. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more, um, more reasonable for a lot of people and they want something different. 
Um, I think and, people get intimidated when they see a massive film crew yeah. at their wedding. Yeah. It's like a it's full on production. Yeah. You lose that intimate, yeah. intimate intimacy, yeah. I say the word, of the, the actual key moments. Yes. yes. I've, I've been at weddings where I haven't been a second shooter, but they yep. have like either four or five different photographers. Yeah. All running around, and I'm just the filmmaker. I'm, yeah. I'm like trying to get in there, get the intimate moments, and then you got the photographers all around, the flash going, <laughs> and it's like it's just ruining the moment. I know, I know, but I mean, look for I suppose for some couples, the moment is what's created there and then, and for some couples, the moment is what's been captured and what you can look later on. So. Um, just like success means different for every single person. So there's moments for every single um, wedding couple. Mm. So yeah, um, that's what happened. And um, um, what were we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Nikon. Yes, um, Nikon. So N- Nikon, I, I suppose now is coming back into the market with mirrorless cameras and they've got the Z6 and Z7. Z7 is more f- with more megapixels focused for photographers. Um, and the Z6 is more for videographers. Um, you know, that's how the camera has been programmed and marketed so it's my aim to show the market you know what the nikon z6 can do and also having the zeon gimbal in there so z means z so nikon z6 means zeon gimbals we can actually show the flexibility of how you can utilize a a, a camera with such an old color science and technology nikon's been around for a long time yeah. um, and uh, what i normally see is anyone that follows nikon they love nikon from life to that simple as that um, and you know, originally that's how I started Nikon Canon, you know, that was the most, most camera, um, well, most bought camera back in the day. So, um, it's good to see Nikon Z6 coming up, um, what they're doing and it's actually been taken in the market very well. A lot of photographers actually converting to being hybrid, being video shooters and also photography shooters. It's not just, not just being able to shoot photos, but Nowadays, you have so much location, so much access to places. You want to be able to capture memory. And, you know, no matter if it's with your family, your friends, or doing an event, sometimes a client might ask you, can you shoot a little bit of video, but also do photos? So people want to be able to do that. Mm. Um, um, and it's just good to share my experience with people on how to utilize a camera and how to, you know, correctly expose something. And, and just because I like speaking to people, I suppose they wanted me to do this. That's good, man. And And from your opinion... Do you like the new Nikon? Uh, is it Z6? Yeah. Is Look, it any good? Nikon Z6, um, one of the main key benefits is, first of all, is full frame. Um, the new lenses are coming. Nikon used to make really good lenses such as the Nikon um, AF, um, ASI lenses. Are they the so, older ones? Yeah, the like, old school lenses, they used to be yeah. manual focus. And, I, and I've actually had some rumors that those one of those lenses were actually used in a Joker movie or possibly something like that. I Someone told me. I don't know how much is true. But what normally happens is they get these old lenses and they rehouse it because they're very fast lenses, like 1.2, 1.8, 1.4. Um, and those lenses were really good, the characteristic to it. I mean, <clears throat> the way you look at it is right. Before, the camera sensors were not that good and lenses were still good. Mm. So lens manufacturers started making really good lenses, camera manufacturers that are making really good sensors. So what happens now, you match it together, it shows sharp. So all the characteristic that you're looking for, it's kind of not there. So what we end up doing is we end up using filters. You know, I love using um, like this one, there's a Nisi filter here as, you know, mist filter. Um, I love using that to cut the contrast and sharpness. But at the same time, what you can also do is nowadays is so-called using vintage lenses, right? So I could classify that as a vintage lens. So use newer cameras, but use old lenses to put on to get that kind of look you desire. 
Um, I love that look. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's so good, so good. And plus, if, if you can collect it one day, it's going to be worth a lot of money. I think my uncle still got his old lenses. Yeah. The old Nikon lenses because he grew up shooting Nikon but film. Oh, really? So okay. So he's still got some of the photos he took. He's still got some of the film yeah. as well, but he's still got the lenses. Yeah. So he, he wants that old, I forgot what the Nikon mount. Is it still, still a straight Nikon mount? F mount. I think Nikon. F-mount. Yeah, F yeah. mount. So you look, he's looking for something <laughs> that can actually use the F mount. Yep. I think you've got to get it specially made or something. Yeah, because the Nikon F mount, you can actually use it on Z mount. So a Nikon oh. F mount is one of those mounts that is actually uh, the, the distance between the flange and the sensor is just correctly how it's been set up, how Nikon has designed the lens, that you can actually adapt Nikon F mount lenses onto EF, onto Sony cameras, Canon cameras, you know, whatever you like. So that's like why. Magic? Yeah, you should be able to. Of course, the focal length won't be the same because it's a micro four third. But if you use the Pocket 6K, it should be fine. Should be fine. Cool. Yeah. So I'm actually putting my eyes onto it and I'm really looking forward to getting one of these lenses. Um, I've seen a lot of tests online and it looks good. The character is amazing. It's like the bokeh as well. It's not circle. It's kind of oval. Ooh. It's different. You know, um, it looks nice. It looks nice. Len- lenses are what actually kill you in terms of pricing. So is it like more for a consumer level? Like is it affordable? Um, I think those lenses go for anything between 700 till one thousand um, dollars. Sometimes you can find it for cheaper for four five hundred dollars. Really? But yeah. you just got to find it. You got to find it. Make sure it's in good quality as well. Um, look, I use many lenses. One of my favorite lenses in pocket four K is is the Voigtlander's. Oh, they yeah, f zero point nine five. I I can't get rid of that. It's just amazing. Incredible. So. <laughs> and um, okay, so we got to go. We got backtrack a little bit to um, what's the first thing you look at when you get a script? What's the first thing that goes through your head? The first thing when I look at when I get a script is if it's if the story is good enough, um, um, how powerful is the message? What is the title of the film? Is it does it actually relate to it? Is the story sellable? Is it going to be appropriate in the country we're shooting in? Um, what region it needs to be marketed in? All of those things start coming to my head. Um, by the same time, being a cinematographer first, then being a filmmaker, what comes to my head is how can I make this visually appealing? Mm. That's the first thing <laughs> for me. <laughs> and what's the second thing? Um, oh, of course, you know, as a filmmaker, I should be looking at story first. So I do look at the story, but then I look at how good the, you know, the visuals is. Then we you look at lo- it. <laughs> you can't help it. It's just right. sometimes, you know, when you be the person who catches things in cameras or love lighting, you want to be able to, you know, kind of explore those options. Um, or oh, the second thing I look at is it's actually got budget for me to do it. <laughs> 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 that's a good one yeah. i think that's like the first thing i look at to be honest like can i actually afford doing to do this yeah um but no it's good and talking about you was also the ambassador for aperture as well right yeah so um i actually have been fortunate to be able to link up with some companies um i first became an ambassador ambassador with Zion and then i met aperture I started using Aperture products from the time when those old school lights were there, LED lights, just some AA batteries in there. Um, and then I actually bought these two lights over here, the Aperture 120Ts. I bought them myself. I used to use them for weddings all the time. I smashed it and it's still still working from the last couple of years. And then after that, I got access to more lights from Aperture. And then I suppose they saw me utilizing those lights and they approached me. And then I started working with Aperture as well. And then uh, more brands, brands came in, such as Blackmagic. When the Pocket 4K came out, I was fortunate enough to 
beta tested. So I was beta testing Pocket 4K um, from the time it came out with the first firmware to all of these bugs going through and then finally making it good. Um, and now having Nikon on board as well and a couple of other companies, it's great. It's great to be able to link up with the companies and understand where the market is going. And did you have to pay for your one? Um, look, the way it works is nothing in life is free. Yeah. Um, um, no matter if you get a product for free or get sponsored or actually purchase something, you still have to work for it. Um, we've done a lot of work with the Pocket 4K to be able to even get the Pocket 4K. Um, um, from creating content to marketing it, to be able to test it, to see what bugs are there, the functionality is working, what not. I actually also met um, the guys at Blackmagic in, um, I met them Singapore, I know the Singapore guys. I also met the US guys and then I also have a relationship with the Melbourne guys, They're very nice people. Um, and I suppose the main reason why I agreed to test Blackmagic cameras is because I like their color science. Um, I like their color science and not just that, being a DP, being a cinematographer, I like coloring my stuff because I have a certain look in my head and when I be when I want to do that, I just open DaVinci to do that. Yep. And now, you know, having a, a, I say it's a multi-million dollar software, you know, the, the platform that you, we have been supplied with, you know, to be able to edit now and, and grade now, do the sound, do effects, everything DaVinci and plus for free. Mm. I mean. It's I, absolutely amazing. It's like, amazing. When I first heard that they're supplying a professional program yeah. for free. Yeah. I mean, there is, are some things you can't really do in there, yeah. but still the the base of it and the majority of the things you, yeah. can, you can actually do uh -huh. for free. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and then like when I was looking at uh, the Blackmagic color science, the way that it falls off on, the, on people's faces yeah. and everything, I watched tons and tons of reviews yeah. before actually buying my Ursa. Uh -huh. Like I was, I was amazed. Like you can purchase a camera at this price and still get the Hollywood look. Yeah, exactly. And still make a professional movie. Yeah, exactly. With that price, like yeah. I, was, I was stunned. I mean, um, um, from what I hear, yeah, a lot of Hollywood companies and and even Indian production, they use still DaVinci right mm -hmm. now to color grade it. You know, there's many color grading suites available, but to be able to have access to a system and a software that a a, a high end production company is using, that's a that's a very good thing for me. Mm. Um, and it just means I'm not going backwards. So if I learn the software, one day if I wanna become an editor or become a color grader, at least I'm working towards a, a system or a resource where it's actually recognized in the industry. Um, it does help. I mean, there's the free version and there's also the paid version with some extra features and you know, like denoiser comes in the paid version, things like that. So it's it's good and I don't think the paid version is much rather than paying subscription all the time, <laughs> you know. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> Adobe, like listen out because your subscription thing, it sucks. <laughs> we should just be able to have it straight away. Like I remember this, the CS6. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be able to purchase that straight yeah. out and you keep it throughout. Yeah. Uh, but then they brought in the Adobe Cloud. And yeah. As a student before, it was amazing because you know, I only had to pay 13 bucks and then it crept up to about 22 Yeah. and then 30 and then now it's like almost 50 bucks. Yeah. And it's just like, come on, come on. See, the creatives, it's got to be, yeah. there's got to be some sort of special deal for actual filmmaking creatives. Exactly, you know? exactly. But there isn't, unfortunately. Look, I'm not anti any brand. I'm not anti software. I'm not anti any brand. Um, um, I like all brand for their own reasons. Look, I'm, I'm gonna, Adobe does still have that option for syncing things very nicely um, um, in regards to multicam. Mm. And what I like about it is, I think you're able to find the zero and the end point. So sometimes what happens, um, I've actually edited in Adobe for a very long time and then also in DaVinci as well. 
Um, but I think one thing DaVinci still is trying to solve and get in their software is that I'm not sure if it's available from last time, what I remember, it's not. Sometimes when you shoot a movie, you give all the files to the director and then they will go through it and say, okay, here's clip number 25. I want you to take it from 15 seconds till 85 seconds. Yep. How do you do that? In, in, in Adobe, you have that counter, not only the time code, but you also have the counter from zero seconds, minutes, and however long the clip is, the duration of it. But in DaVinci, it doesn't have that. So it's a little difficult, you know, to be able to do that. So normally what I do is I go to DaVinci, I scrub through and find where the 30 second mark is or 85 second mark is and do an in point, then go for the out point and then cut the footage. And it's a little painful, mm. um, but I believe they know about this and then they will come through it. But Adobe is one of the softwares I grew up with. Yeah. Um, so definitely not forgetting that. Um, I have used Illustrator, you know, a lot. I've used um, Photoshop, you know, of course, while doing websites back in the days, you know, you used Photoshop, you didn't have all of these options. There was Dreamweaver, you know, you, 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 <laughs> I think CSS just came out then to be able to code websites and stuff. So yeah, long yeah, I remember way. teaching myself on the old Premiere Elements. Yeah. Going from <laughs> Elements to the CS, I think it was CS4, CS5 yeah. back then. And then it was basically the similar sort of platform. Yeah. But I still had to work my head around it, but I, yeah. I learned very quickly. I picked it yeah. up and then as it kept upgrading things and, yeah. you know, it became an amazing software. Yeah. If it doesn't crash. I've actually had both softwares crash on me in DaVinci and, and, and Adobe. Look, it's I suppose gonna, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's, there's, look, I, there's nothing in the world that is perfect. And sometimes it's not the software. It's probably the hardware that you're using is not compatible. People actually forget that, you know, that's why some things work better for some people and the others don't, mm. you know, um, you just have to find the right specifications on what software you want to use and what hardware is going to be compatible with it. It's probably best to find systems which are approved by the vendor. Uh, makes it easier, you know. Just make sure you save your project every like. Oh yeah, seconds. I've actually <laughs> done that. I have lost a lot of things and had to start editing again. And even, if, yeah. Have you had a big yeah. project that you've actually lost because? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've actually had, to honestly speaking, I've actually had weddings that I actually re had to re-edit the entire thing because I've lost it. Wow. Um, it didn't save it or it crashed or it doesn't work. Um, Give me some money, Adobe. <laughs> Sponsor this show, <laughs> please. <laughs> no, for all the refunds that I made with clients that your software did work well with me. <laughs> well, that, that too, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, okay, what what gets you up in the morning? So what, what are some things that sort of drives you? Nothing. Nothing gets me up in the morning. I wake up in the afternoon. <laughs> um, um Honestly, the only thing that gets me up in the morning is a commitment and a project. So if I have a project, I will make sure I'm there for sunrise or before sunrise or travel. Um, it's it's that that pushes me um, um, to be able to have a project on board, to be able to do that. I'm not a morning person. I'm a, a night hawker and that's why my company is called Nighthawk Productions. Oh, is um, that why? <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and I can I can literally, like my prime time I believe is from 4, 4 p.m. till 4 a.m. Um, my body actually starts focusing more in the afternoon time till probably midnight and probably after midnight I slow down. Um, sometimes my wife wakes up to go to work at four in the morning, like if I'm in the morning, I'll be going to bed then. So, <laughs> um, it, you know what? It's actually funny because, um, they tell me I'm an extrovert, right? Maybe secretly all creatives are introverts because they seem to work better at night. 
Um, I don't know. It's because for me, um, I like in the daytime, I can go communicate with people and do things, whatever I require to do. But at night, I suppose there's multiple reasons I like night. Firstly, I like doing my own lighting. So it just directly puts me into a night person because, I mean, I'm not saying I don't like daylighting. Daylight is already available and, and you know, you need to know how to shape it. But with night lighting, you have a blank canvas. Mm. You can do whatever you like. You don't have to choose where the light's going to be. That could also mean I don't like being told what to do <laughs> because the sun's going to be at a particular place at a particular time, so I need to follow it. So I suppose why, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I like um, You like being night. your own boss. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, at times. I don't mind working in a team. Um, it's really fun. Um, without people, of I course, probably die. Of course, is... Yeah. It's all teamwork. Yeah, teamwork. Yeah, of course. Um, and I suppose secondly, I don't have anyone bugging me. There's no one disturbing me. Um, you're not going to have anyone calling you to distract you. I get distracted very easily. Um, there's no Facebook messages popping up then apart from the international ones. Um, but you can just concentrate. Just get your stuff done. It's so quiet. You know, it, it's, it gets you thinking. Mm. Um, but in the morning, you just hear the buzz, everyone moving around, someone coming to deliver something. And I'll just get distracted. I'll, yeah. I'm up. Really early. Like You're I'm, a morning person. I'm a morning uh, person. Like I'm up okay. at four in the morning. Yeah. I, yeah, like that's me. I'm. You know, I've actually tried I'm that doing that once. So when I started traveling, um, I think it was Dubai. Yeah, when I came back from Dubai, I started all of a sudden waking up in the morning because of the time zone differences all. My body got used to it. I'm like, okay, this is not bad. You achieve a lot when you wake up in the morning. I don't know. I probably just need to program my body. I think they say like you have to do something over and over for six months before you can get your body programmed to it to do it naturally, something like that. Um, that's a long time. Yeah, that's a long something. time. For, because look, human behavior, once you get addicted to something, you get addicted. Yeah. Um, um, and to get out of it, that's why it takes a long time. I think it takes I think it's less than two days to create a habit. Oh really? I think it's less than that. Okay, well I'm your then, I'm your I'm your you're a scientist, I'm your subject now. Let's try to make this happen because <laughs> two days is not definitely enough. I think it's different I, for a lot of people. Like yeah. everyone's unique and I yeah. know for me that if I like something yeah. enough, I think it's like straight away I'm gonna do it the next day. And it's yeah. just a re re repetition. Um but it takes twenty one days, I know, to break a habit. So, yeah, interesting, interesting. So you got to constantly tell yourself, tell your brain no, yep. like to that certain thing. So yep. if it's an addiction or if it's whatever it is, yep. it's becoming a habit. you got to constantly tell yourself, no, I'm not going to do that. Or if you tell yourself in the morning, I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. for the next 21 days, see how I go. Yep. So you're training your body, you're training your mind every yep. single day to get yeah. up at that time. Yeah, I haven't heard much about the psychology stuff, so I suppose that's why I'm not a psychologist. Um, um, it goes deep, like yeah, yeah. But I think it's going to take definitely take longer than 21 days for me to do anything. <laughs> it's yeah, I, routine. You're my nightmare. Well, that's fair enough, I guess. Uh, let, well, let's put that down as one of your challenges. <laughs> well, I guess something in routine. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, look, you're good at routine, so I expect this podcast to be, you know, very frequent. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a challenge accepted by me. Um, okay, I've got that on on tape. So there we go. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, you got to put me in touch with more people, man, so I can actually interview them too. <laughs> so I, I guess with um, whatever you're trying to do in the industry, people will definitely come to you. Um, um, it's a, it's a. It's a fruitful industry. It's a great industry. Um, the, the only way to survive in this industry is 
speak. Mm-hmm. Just have a mouth and go and say hello to people. Um, you can't expect to get jobs while sitting home. After you have a degree or after you have some kind of certification from a college that does filmmaking, doesn't mean you're entitled for any work. You need to go get your work. <laughs> um, or you could just be sitting at home with a degree hanging up on your wall and you can be proud as anything. 100%. Literally do nothing with it. Yeah. So uh, it's it's good. Like uh, I've been able to meet so many amazing people. Yeah. Just by, like I never used to reach out before. Yeah. I used to be one of those people that sat in my room and thinking I knew everything and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Instagram came out. I just thought, well, what's the harm in contacting this person? What's the yeah. harm in asking the question? Uh-huh. And I think it was when I met first introduced myself to you. Yeah. I saw, it was through Instagram. It was through Instagram, surprisingly. Oh, thank you, Instagram. And then um, what actually happened was I was asking I was asking you for See, help. See, Siri wants to know us as well now. Siri, like, it just keeps coming on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was asking you for help because I recently got the Black Magic Ursa. Yeah. And I was asking you for advice because I saw you have one. Yes. And yes. you had all the gear and you're yep. telling me, you're just giving me advice on what to buy, what not to buy. Yeah. I bought Sigma and not Rokinon because Rokinon sucked. And well, well the, look, the lens you, itself was just. You yeah. pay what you, you, you yeah. get what you pay for, right? That's, yeah. that's what they say. And look, Sigma art series, I think they have been lifesaver for me. I've utilized them in not just films, but also corporate shoots and commercials and stuff. Um, and it just worked. Hmm. I'm not saying I had a bad experience with Rokin on. It's good, but the, the band, the, what do you get out of Sigma? It's just. You get better, better quality, even though you're paying that little bit extra. Yeah. It, it's not that expensive. Like if you look yeah. at it in the long run, you're actually making a better return. Exactly. That's the way I looked at it. Like putting my money into something that makes sense to put money in yep. and I'm going to get a good return. I know that the film right guys use yeah. Rokinon lenses. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong no. with the lens. Look, it's personal preference on what the the, the, the look you desire. Um, for me, I'm starting to go more vintage stuff. Um, I've been using a, a mate's Leica R lens recently. Ooh. Actually, this this guy's, an, this guy's a legend. You should interview his... Um, um, if you remember Marcel, Marcel, um, um, he used to work at Digital Logic. Yes, um, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. He's a tech head, man. Um, if I have any questions, um, I just call him. Simple as that. He knows in and out. He can open a brain and put the brain, not, not our brain, but camera brain. You know, yeah. he can open things and put it back inside and uh, he's, he's a legend. So um, he's actually got like our lenses, a full set. And actually, you know, I am fortunate that he lends it to me for, you know, a, a few lucky. times. And um, <laughs> um, I've utilized those lenses and it is so good. Yeah. So good. I, I love Leica. I love uh, the Sigma Cinema Series. Yep. I love, um, what's the other one? Um, Cooks. <laughs> yeah, definitely Cooks. <laughs> but it's, it's another one. Uh, Zeiss. Zeiss. The Zeiss yeah, Super yeah. Speeds and... Super primes. I remember uh, a friend of mine asked me, a producer friend asked me to help yeah. out test some lenses yep. over at um, Lemac Rentals. Yep. Yep. So I went over there and I was like the guinea pig. So they put me in front of the lenses. I would hold the lenses and change them out. What, yeah. They yeah. had three sets. They had the the Cook, yep. you know, the, the normal Cooks, yep. Cook Primes, and then the Zeiss. Yep. So testing all three between each other yeah. to compare which one was the better one, Yep. I found... I fell in love with the cooks definitely, but they're just like so expensive. Yeah. But then you compare the cook that's like a hundred thousand. Yeah. How, however many. Yeah. Compared to like five thousand. Yep. I was like, that's incredible. It, it looks so similar. Yeah. But obviously, you got the cook look and you got the Zeiss look and yeah, everything yeah. like that. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the way it is, is finding lenses, don't rush it. It's like dating, you know, until you, until you like something so much to marry it. <laughs> that's <laughs> will, a good way to put it, actually. <laughs> so that's why when, you know, people look for lenses, you know, they kind of test a lot of things and see what characteristics, you know, what lens they preferred. Some people just love faster lenses like me. I just collect fast lenses. Mm. I just love the look of it, you know, or just that fetish to be able to have fast lenses. Is that because <laughs> your brain works really, really fast or you just? Uh, well, thank you if, <laughs> if that's the case. But um, no, the reason being is um, I like to... I like to blur things out. I like to have focus on a very minimum area and then to be able to, you know, rack focus and move around with it or, or to be able to, I don't know. It's not just that. I come from a situation when I used to use all the SLR cameras and the low light capacity was not very good. The capability was not very good. So I started using fast lenses. That was one thing. But it's just the characteristic, the way it looks when you're on a shallow, you know, depth of field. Like mm. shooting something, I don't shoot anything on 0.95, but I have before. Um, there's a couple of videos on my YouTube where I've actually shot something on f0.95 and 1.2 and 1.8 with manual focus. And we just keep the distance correct in regards to where the actor or subject is and where the camera is. And you move with the flow and it will keep it focused. Um, it's just the way it feels and looks like. It's I suppose it's different. Mm -hmm. It's not a look you see everywhere. So, you know, um, how can I say? Once a very wise person also told me that um, if you have something that no one else have, you can charge whatever you like, right? Mm. So I'm not saying I'm charging. Can't compare it to anything. You, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I'm charging whatever I like, but what it does, it it actually helps you get highlighted a bit more. Um, helps you create footages which probably an f4 lens can't do. You know, um, <laughs> so look, every lens has its own purpose. Um, I own different lenses for different purposes. Example: I have the 24 to 70 f4 in in. Um, the Z Z mount for Nikon's. And then I also have the 50 mil 1.4. Yes, 1.4. And then I also have the 35 mil 1.8. But they're all there for different purposes. Um, let's see how we go. What I get next? I don't know. Do you always have a sweet spot in terms of focal length? Yeah, it used to be 35. And um, all my friends are now laughing at me because I'm using 50 more. Um, I used to hate 50. When when the Canon, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, back in the day when I'm they- I'm that way now. <laughs> when, when Canon came out with the um, 50mm 1.2, I had that. I had that lens and I used it three times and I dropped it. And when it broke, lucky only the only the um, um, the protective layer, the, just a filter broke. It didn't break the lens. Whoever sold it to, I did mention to them that, yeah, sorry, mate, I dropped it and I kind of reduced the price. Not by too much, but it still sold. It was in working condition. Everything was fine. But now looking at it, I I just probably didn't take the opportunity and, you know, utilize the lens. It just, I love 35 at this stage. You know, I like how much see whatever's in the camera. Um, at that time, not everything was full frame either. Mm. You know, we used to get, you know, crop sensors. Um so it just, I suppose, what I got used to. But now being able to shoot different things in different regions and with different skin tones and different people, um, sometimes 50 works better for me. Recently, I was shooting a short film. Um, I was using the Leica R lenses on the Ursa Mini Pro and um, uh, Marcel was assisting me there. And he said, Ra, what lens? Um, I said, 50, please. And he starts laughing. He's like, what happened to you at 35? I said, well, just not enough space to be able to move. And he said, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> So that's what we had. <laughs> I've, I've got to get myself from the 35 to try out new lenses because yeah, yeah. that is my sweet spot. Yeah. Love it. So 
So. I, I I mean, I like 35, 85, 135. That's my go-to. That's, yeah, it's it's a sweet spot for me. But nothing is a sweet spot now. I mean, you see all of these new lenses coming out. I'm actually trying a new lens very soon. It's called the DZO Film. Um, they have made a power focal lens. Um, I can't remember the range, but it's it's wide till mid and then mid till close up. Um, um, it's wow. it's yeah yeah DZO Film. Probably check it out. Yeah, um, it's for micro four thirds, so it's aimed for pocket four K and you know Blackmagic pocket four K. The Z Cam, you know GH five, if you want to shoot with it. Um, there's different cameras for different purposes. Um, um, and yeah, see how we go. Be interesting to see the look. Of that lens. Yeah, yeah. I want to see the look. I want to see how the flares look like. I want to see how it acts. I think it's T2.9. So that'll be what F2.8 around that kind of mark. It's not as fast, but mm. to be able to have it power focal. So, you know, you zoom in, you focus, you zoom out, the focus is same or very less, you know, changed. It's pretty That's good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you as well have you won any awards? Awards. In um, filmmaking. Actually, that's how I started my filmmaking career. So while while I was shooting weddings, um, when I started getting tired of it in regards to not shooting as weddings, but the process of it, um, I didn't want to do the same thing over and over again, the same ceremony, the same aisle for walking and same things. Um, I decided when they're sitting with my mates saying, hey, with whatever gear we have, how would you shoot a short film, right? So um, we did. And at that stage, I didn't have aperture 120Ts didn't even exist. It was smaller lights. Um, um, we had some LED lights, I don't know from where, some Chinese LED lights, um, which worked really well at that stage. And then I had Sony A7S Mark Ones, not even twos, Mark Ones. And I had that old school Ninja recorders um, from Atomos. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I knew where Sony's sweet spot was um, and I figured out how to get the really high quality shooting ProRes and I got married to ProRes then. Um, <laughs> um, and now obviously I probably had have, have had a, uh, you can say the ProRes relationship is kind of complicated because BMD Raw is out now. <laughs> so, yep. um, I wish I had it. <laughs> for BMD Raw? Yeah. Can't you get on your Ursa? Um, no. So they haven't released it yet. For you the got the 4K? 4.6K. Yeah, oh, 4.6K. Yeah, so they yeah, release it for yeah. the, the Pro, but yep, not yep, the 4.6K yep. Exactly. Yet. So that's why I need to upgrade. So Just go for the G2. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Just go for the G2. <laughs> sell one of the kidneys and you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, well. yeah, so what happened is um we just decided just randomly, I think it was um, September or, yeah, August or September, we started just shooting. Um, I made a script. Um, we had a couple of drinks. Every every apparently good business decision comes of alcohol, let's say. So we had some drinks and um, um, me and my couple of mates, we came up with something. At that stage, you know what was happening? There was something called um, halal snack packs. Yeah. It was going yeah, crazy. I remember that. So we were, we were trying to make something around that, right? And by the time we, we started doing this, um, um, like um, Pokemon started coming up more. You know, um, um, all of these things. Yeah, all of that was very famous. So we said, okay, a little snack pack might probably get us in trouble with some religious aspects and things like that. And obviously we don't want to kick off our career like that. You know, we didn't even know if we're going to win anything or if we're even going to enter a festival. So we created something. Um, It was a very short, short film. Um, It was experimental. Um, I arranged a team who had no experience. Um, I didn't even have experience shooting anything. So we got everyone together. Um, my good mate Sumit, um, he actually shot my wedding. And then, um, you know, he was also there assisting me and a couple of other people. 
So it was called Briefcase. Um, and uh, we shot the film, we shot it in two days. So we shot it in two nights, uh, four to five hours each night. So you can say the film probably took uh, seven to eight hours to shoot max. Um, and then after that, we edited it. Um, edited, color graded it. Um, it was shot, the entire thing was on Sony A7S Mark I with the Atmos recorder. I actually blew one of my um, A7S Mark I that day as well because I connected to VLOC and I think the place where I hired it from, one of the parts were not regulated or so. So, yeah, Sony has got the thing. Remember those Sony issue we had back in the day where if you turn off your battery, your memory card is not got a complete writing, whatever yeah. data was happening and you lose footage. Yeah. I came through those situations as well. So anyways, <laughs> um, we shot this film and we graded it. It was called The Briefcase. Um, it was about a guy who gets um, on a call and he's, he's got a job to kill someone. Um, 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 but this time, like he, he's, he's a hunter, right? He, he's a, one of those people who goes killing around people that don't really know what they're called because I don't, con I don't contact them. So I didn't know. <laughs> um, and then, and then, um, he receives a call, but he says, you need to do a delivery. Um, and he decides to go and do a delivery. So he appears to his location. A, a girl opens the door, um, goes inside and they see all this drug on the, on the table and the sniffing drug. I didn't even know how to shoot this. Um, we just watched a couple of other movies and said, okay, this might be it. Um, so we shot that, all of those scenes. And when he goes to deliver the briefcase, um, um, the dude appears out of the car and he gives him the other briefcase for cash and they exchange briefcase. And when he opens it, there's Pikachu inside it. And he's like crawling and running and stuff like that. So, and that was the moment and you stop and we laugh about it and move on. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't look like anyone stopped and laughed about it and moved on. They actually arrived to a film festival and someone liked it. Ah. So out of a, it's just coincidence, um, in, in November or so, someone, um, there's a film festival in Western Sydney called Made in the West Film Festival. Um, at that time, I think they were not in Sydney, Western Sydney, they were, somewhere out closer past Western Sydney. Um, but the idea was, the purpose of the film festival was to enter as long as anyone is from the West. So example, either directors from the West or you film something in the West or you know one of the crew members or so. So it becomes a Western Sydney film. Um, so I entered, the email just dropped up into my email inbox. You know, I was scrolling through, I'm like, hey, look, there's a film festival, we should enter. So I paid the money, I entered. And out of nowhere, they have said, you've been selected. Come to the ceremony and uh, you see your screening. Wow. I didn't expect to win nothing. That day I was so scared, so scared because I haven't done public speaking at that stage. I wasn't a, a let's say, a very, um, not saying easy person to deal with, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I, I didn't know how to approach people at yeah. that stage. You know, it, I was so new to this industry. I didn't know... What an exposure is. I mean, yeah, of course I was shooting wedding. I know all of that. But what I'm trying to say is I didn't know all the filming terms. You know, when you start shooting weddings, sometimes you just do something that works for you. Um, um, auto. <laughs> to be honest, I've never used autofocus in my life. Oh, good. Okay. Never. Yeah. Never. And sometimes when people ask me, oh, does this camera have eye focus? Does this camera have autofocus? I'm like, dude, you can take a technology. Wait, wait. How can I say How did I say it? You can take technology out of a person, right? 
but you can't take the education out of a person, right? So if you understand how to do manual focusing, it's going to be the best thing you ever learn. It's also the characteristic, you know, how the focusing moves and and the and the speed of it and everything. You can control it. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, not getting off topic. Um, we I entered this place and I was in the VIP. They put me in the VIP. I said, "Hey, you in the VIP? Here's your champagne. Go in." I didn't like champagne. Um, I'm more of a whiskey and scotch guy, but I <laughs> drank it anyway because I needed it. Went in, saw a couple of people, um, said hello, and then after we sat down. And all of a sudden, best cinematography, Rashama. We're like, holy crap, what just happened? No idea. So I just stood up, went and got my award, and my life changed there and then. Wow. That's, that's incredible. That's, so what that's, was going through your head when you heard your name? Um, did they spell it right? <laughs> <laughs> um, am I the I'm right person? Are there, are there more Sharmas here? Um, and then I looked around. I think there was only two Indians there, three Indians there. It was me. Um, <clears throat> there was another girl named Rachel Myers. Um, she's a filmmaker. And um, at that day, probably I didn't have any balls to approach her to say anything or uh, because like, what do you do? These people have made films before and you haven't. Um, and after that, we started working. We've mm-hmm. now probably completed a lot of projects together. So that's the best thing about film festivals. Um, look, some might work for you, some might not. And if something's not working, you move into another film festival. You got to find out what's going to be most related film festival for your topic or your movie that you make. But I believe that's the best way to get into filmmaking nowadays, knowing that things are so tough. You can't easily get into filmmaking or be a filmmaker. Um, shoot something, submit it. If it doesn't get recognized, meaning you're not going, doing good enough, do it again. Simple as that. you've won, have you won another award with Rachel? Yeah, so I've won a few awards after that. Um, after that, um, I think I've got two cinematography awards. And then after that, um, well, I suppose what really kicked off is after I won the award, the newspaper articles started coming in and then started getting there, getting recognized. Um, and then after that, we done more films. I don't know, with Rachel, right after that, she hired me. Um, it was really good. Um, and that film won an award as well. I think we got best film as well. So it just kept on going and going. And then after that, I wanted to challenge myself, right? And I said, okay, everyone can buy a DSLR camera. Anyone can shoot anything nowadays. Like things are so good. What's going to happen if I shoot something on a mobile phone? Like, okay, this is a challenge. Can we do it? So I started looking for um, film festivals, which is going to be appropriate for um, these kind of stuff. And something came up called SF3, mm-hmm. Smart Flicker Fest, I think it's called. Um, and uh, what got me excited was they said their screening was going to be an opera house. So now my all my hairs out of my pores started going up and saying, whoa, and this is the time when you wake up early. You know, no more 4, <laughs> 4 p.m. stuff. <laughs> so what happened is I assembled the team very, very quickly. Um Everyone just jumped on board. Um, um, this was, you know, purely, purely a collaboration between everyone on board. Um, um, I, of course, went and, you know, made sure everyone's fed well and we drive in air conditioning cars and all of those. <laughs> but 8.16, we can say we done about 20 hours of driving on that day to be able to go and come back from the location. Um, no, probably 20 hours, probably less than that. So we drove to a place called Broke, Broke, New South Wales. Um, um, and there's another story about how I found this location, which is for the next podcast. Um, if, if I'm good enough to get invited. <laughs> we'll bring next you back. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is, um, um, we went to shoot this film and then now the reason I had to shoot it within a day is the reason I think I only had a week 
to shoot we at a deliver. Yep, I goodness. had to because the film festival entry was going to close in. And I really wanted to have an opportunity, even if my film doesn't make it to Opera House, but I wanted to go and see something at the Opera House. I mean, like, really? You're going to show mobile phone films on Opera House screen? That's quite cool, mm. really. And then I submitted it, done the film. Um, I actually edited in Adobe Premiere <laughs> um, at that stage. <laughs> I done that, but I graded in DaVinci. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I graded in DaVinci. It's so long that my memories are not very good nowadays. <laughs> I sound like That's an ADO right. guy. <laughs> so, yes, what happened is um, um, we submitted the film and they submitted and they responded and said, you made it. I told the team. Um, we're going to the then, Opera House. Yeah, we're going to the <laughs> Opera House. And then I actually purchased everyone the tickets um, because they were so kind to kind of collaborate with me. So I got everyone tickets. We went there. We had some drinks and food. Um, um, scotch and, good, and whiskey. Yeah, scotch and whiskey for sure. Um, <laughs> twice. Um, um, but this time I was more confident. I could just go and say hello to people. <laughs> I like the other film festival. Well, I have been to many other film festivals. Um and uh, um, it was also good to see Rachel over there. You know, she came to support me as well. And um, 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 that's how this community goes, you know. Anyone you know, if they can support each other, you will grow better. Um, because you have to piggyback between people. You know, some people are good at something, some people are good at the other. Um, um, and then we went there. I didn't expect to win nothing, right? That was the whole idea. But when the film came on the screen, I was kind of confused. I said, okay, is this... I'm not trying to be up myself, but I'm, I think it's the screen for the opera house, right? It's not me. It's not us. It's not filmmakers. But thing looks so good, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was those artifacts of mobile phones and, you know, those lines and, and, and things that the dynamic range of however you want to express your interest <laughs> or, or, or your feeling about how the film looks like. But when I saw it on the screen, it looks so damn good. And then they announced the film and they announced everyone and all the people got the award. I'm like, okay, I'm not getting anything this year. Before I got to Opera House, right, I actually had to make a 25-hour flight to get to Opera House because I was in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the complicated wow. part. I was in Germany with Ziyun, um, a expo called Feuerkina, Um, And I told Ziyun, I said, dude, I need to get back to Australia on this date before this time. So I arrived in Sydney at 12 o'clock. I slept for an hour, probably actually an hour to get back home and then slept for an hour and then straight away got ready. And then it was at Opera House about 4 or 5 p.m. Um, from a 23-hour flight. So Germany to Turkey, Turkey to Philippines, Philippines to Sydney. Every single place I go is dark. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know if I'm meant to sleep. I don't know if I want to wake up and my, my eyes are red as hell, um, whatever that means. Um, <clears throat> so he... Now, now they advertise and um, announce all, or, or sorry, announce all the winners, and then it came to that stage. The best cinematography goes to, okay, comes my name. What I was really happy about is not just um, 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 the appreciation for whoever were, uh, who came, you know, for the film, but also the person who gave me the prize. Um, um, so the person who actually awarded me, um, he was he was actually part of um, Titanic. He was um, one of the person involved in it, from what I understand. He has a good portfolio, um, and he teaches a, a lot of things here as well. So um, it was really good to meet some nice people in regards to how things happen and stuff. Um, and from there, I all of a sudden got an email after a week later or two weeks later saying, right, can you provide me a, a, a movie with this file format, that file format? And I said, why? He said, because it's going to be on Etihad Airways. What? Wow. <laughs> okay. 
So the movie made it to Etihad Airways and recently while coming back from Dubai, I told the guys at Nikon, I'm like, can you please book me Etihad Airways so I can actually figure <laughs> out if my movie's on it. And it was. That's great. It was. The movie was on it. And so what I'm trying to say is for anyone who's trying to come up, um, um, get into the filmmaking market, probably try short films, probably try film festivals because it's probably one of the easiest way to get your product out there, easiest way to get yourself out there. But not just that. If you don't win, it's still okay. Because I, I haven't won in every film festivals and it's okay. Because you get to network with like-minded people, you know. Um, um, you want to be able to be around people who actually do something similar to you and talk to them and see how that goes. So it was good. It I've was, been entering the same competition for like three years. Not, yeah. not in a row, but yeah. I think I entered it twice in a row and then waited, I think, a year. Yeah. Entered it again. Yeah. Didn't, I got very close but yep. didn't actually win. But it was more or less, you know, they got to know me. Yep. The the owner of um, the, the company and everyone, they just sort of knew who I was. Yeah. And then on the third year, they actually finally interviewed me yeah. on why I kept coming back. <laughs> I was like, I want the prize. <laughs> no, it was it was like a good cause. And, you know, like I kept wanting to, what they wanted to, to show was exactly what I wanted to tell in yeah, the stories. Definitely. So, I mean, it was beneficial for them and it was beneficial for me. Yeah, so, yeah. It was yeah. probably better if I'd have won, but yeah. You know, I mean, look, I I don't go to film festivals to win. I go to film festivals to network. That's mm. what it is. Um, um, unfortunately, I had some drastic experiences as well, where you go say hello to people and they smile at you and they walk off. Like, what did yeah, I do to yeah, you? It happens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But hey, that's what makes you stronger, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So finishing up, um, I've got a few more questions. Oh wow. Have you had any uh, mentors in your life? Mentors. Oh, I actually look up to people and um, those people change in my life depending on the stage and situation I'm at. Um, um, coming from a marketing background and, you know, being doing marketing websites and those kind of stuff, I'm always looking for a open door or probably a door which is closed I can open. So I'm always looking for marketing stuff, but I don't have any set mentor because I'm not going to say I'm versatile, but what I'm trying to say is I like so many different things that probably one person might not be um, 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 giving me enough spike to keep on going. So I listen to different things at different mm. times. Um, unfortunately, I've never read a book from start till finish. Um, if, even in school, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very lazy in regards to reading, but I listen to things. Um, um, and that's why audio books are lifesavers. Um this is not sponsored by Audible. Um, not, not at all sponsored There's by Amazon. There's always an opening. <laughs> <laughs> but look, that's what happened. Um, um, I started listening to TED Talks. I started listening to a lot of, um, watching a lot of YouTube stuff. Um, just admiring people of what they do. Mm. I'm a big fan of Marvel stuff. Um, I just love it no matter how gruesome it is or how cute it is. Um, it's just good. I love that feel and how it is. Um, um, so I don't miss anything. That's how it's been. Um, I just look at movies. I like it, and I'll try to try to be somewhere close to it. Or try to, you know, if you if you're coming, if you're starting an industry, you need to be able to look up to a person or a, a style of movie. Mm -hmm. Then I started looking at Marvel stuff, and I started admiring that. I don't believe my look is very close to that because obviously of budget restraints and a lot of things that can be. But I understand on how that concept is or what they're trying to do and, and what they're trying to tell and how they're trying to tell a story. So, um, um, yeah, I, I look up to a lot of um, filmmakers. I look up to a lot of um, um, marketing people. There's a great guy named Sid Gordon. 
um, he actually um, said something once that has been stuck in my head for a long time. Um, it's something called Purple Cow. I don't know if you heard about it, but he says, um, well, it was actually very good for me because I live in Australia and you see a lot of cows. So when you're driving past a highway or, or an old farm, you know, you drive there all the time and you see, um, you see cows, you know, you're not going to stop by. You're like, okay, more, keep on going, you know, annoying, you know, whatever. But if you drive and if you see a purple cow, you're going to stop and see. So that's been stuck in my head for a long time, saying that, hey, man, do something different. And then another great friend, another great friend um, um, from Brisbane once told me, if you already have a cup of rice, why do you want another cup of rice? And all of these things, like, I suppose I never had a mentor, but I had people who I look up to. I had people who I follow in regards to their um, 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 the way of living, the way of thinking, um, because to be in this industry, you got to have an open mind. Mm. Otherwise, you're done. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I guess that leads on to uh, my next question, which is three bits of advice you could give to someone that is starting out, or they're not starting out, but they just need a bit of a boost. Um, the first one's not going to help. Not going to help at all to anyone. But look, the first one is. Be confident, but don't put your ego in front. Okay, there's a long way to go. It's okay if you've gone to a college and spent $100,000 or whatever it may be to learn things, but doesn't mean you know everything. You know, you, you need to first be able to do something. And, and look, at this stage, I will go and help anyone I can. You know, I will and I'll try because I know how hard it was for me. You know, I understand it's not an easy task. And not just that, it actually feels good to be able to tell someone saying, hey, man, how about you do this, do this, or how can I help you with something, or can I assist you on how to get somewhere, on, or, or, or do you want to get equipments of me? Um, actually, I've hired to you. I haven't lent it to you, but you already made it, so you're fine. <laughs> I haven't made it yet. No way. You made it. <laughs> you I definitely wish. have made it. You're already entering festivals, so that's definitely a good start. Yeah. Um, but my first advice is be very humble. It's easier to get approached. It's easier to talk to people. If someone pushes you around, it's fine. Keep on moving forward. Don't look back. All right. Second is make something and submit to film festivals. I made it that way. Um, um, I've got a long way to go myself, but I know a lot of people have become successful through film festivals because um, that's probably the easiest way to get a lot of eyes in front of your movie at the same time. Mm. Online, there's a lot of trolls. Online, people will watch things what you tell them to watch, but at the same time, the marketing you do requires money and requires so much things. You know, How can you get your movie in front of people who actually really care? Film festivals, number two. Mm. And number three, stop worrying about what camera you use on how expensive it is because you all you're buying is fine features. I've got a $15,000 camera. I'm going to make great footage. But you don't know lighting. How are you going to make anything out of it? Learn the basics. Do a lot of mistakes. It's okay if you fall down. Just learn how to get back up. Mm. There's a, an old saying. Well, and it was actually um, a producer friend of mine who told me it yeah. on the podcast. Um, he told it to me on Sunday. He said um, that he heard a story that his dad told him about someone that was in the film industry who was doing lighting and he was up on, on the rafters and the light fell and, and shattered uh -huh. and he went down the, la down the ladder and the owner was right there and he apologized. He said, it's okay if you fire me. He's like, I'm not going to fire you. He's like, why not? He's like, because you've already done it. You're not going to do it again. You learned. Exactly. So that 
when I heard that, when I heard him say it, I was like, mind blown. That's cool. yeah, yeah. It's, it's just thing. so yeah. there was a producer or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, it's very hard to find producers like this in the world nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some out there, but these are the people who actually not just help people grow, but also are genuine people who understand that hey, mistakes do happen. Mm -hmm. It does happen. Everyone makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, just like saying you know you're entering a film market. If you're entering any industry that you don't have experience with. It's like saying you are a baby, you know, you're trying to get into that. Obviously, you're an overgrown baby <laughs> by the looks of it, but you still have the same mentality. you got to learn things, right? And just like parents are not going to just push a kid away if they know, don't know how to walk, same for producers, directors. They need to be able to work with people and kind of help them get out there. It's already a small industry enough. Very. Don't make it even smaller by yeah. you being an arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. So-and-so yeah. because you're not, no one's ever going to be there. Like everyone thinks when you make a Marvel movie, that's like the epitome. Yep. And in terms of finance, in terms of, you know, like I think Endgame beat the box offices. Yep. But they're looking at the monetary stats. I always find yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, why would you consider a film to be the most successful film out there based on the fact that it would make a lot of money? Is it because so many people actually went to go see it? But what did those people actually get out of it? Yep. You know, is it for the sheer entertainment? Uh -huh. I mean, it was it was an entertaining film. Mm -hmm. But what's the message you're sending to people? What is, you know, the themes? What makes a film successful at the end of the day? For me, it's making me think. Like I watched Tarantino's film. Yes, it was a slow burn to start off with, but the ending, <laughs> like the ending was just, I still stay there to yeah. the very end because yeah. I knew something was coming. didn't know mm -hmm. what. Mm -hmm. That's a movie. Whereas yeah. with, I'm not bagging on Marvel in any way, but whenever you watch a Marvel movie, mm. you already kind of know the end. Yeah, yeah, because it's based on comics. Yeah, it's based on a a real no, you couldn't say a real life story, but it's based on our childhood on what we've been reading, um, which I've never read from start to finish. But <laughs> what so we how hear, you know the end. <laughs> um, um, maybe I started from the back, <laughs> <laughs> back to front. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, but look, there's actually, um, I know you asked for three, but I'm going to give you a fourth advice. Not, not to you, but for people who are listening. Don't do only one thing in life. Do two things at the same time, right? Because you just don't know what you're good at. You just don't know what's going to work out. You just don't know what's going to be accepted in the industry or society, if you want to call it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you do two things at once and you push both with all your power 24-7. Whatever works and is getting more traction, put the other one a little slower, put the handbrake on the other one to, instead of going 100Ks an hour on both, put on one on 50 and push the other one with the other 50, right? And if you see that one going, close the other one and start pushing the other one with the full speed. Exactly what I've done. Mm. And it worked out, not just me. Once again, a smart genius also told me this. I've got a lot of smart geniuses <laughs> that have been whispering in my ears um, and being very fortunate for that. That's good. Like excellent bit of an extra bit of advice for you guys. Um, now here's my my favorite bit, your favorite film, actor, and the last film that you recently watched. Oh my god, the last film I recently watched. I'm not gonna tell you my favorite film because I don't have any. Um, I've got different categories. You won't actually believe it. I'm actually watching Jane the Virgin right now. Um, um, people laugh at me, but the reason I do that is because my mind is so dark and the things I do is so dark. I want you to watch something something different, so I watch Jane the Virgin. Pop up. Just, just to get a bit of uh, comedy. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, just like a multi-million dollar production cannot please you. Same for everyone who is starting filmmaking. You won't be able to please a lot of people. So you just have to do something 
put it out there and move on and do another one. Mm. That's how it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't comment on the look of the film because I haven't seen it. Yeah. But look, it was good. Yeah. Um, um, but I've seen things that actually um, make me say, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> Mm. Um, um, but that's for different reasons. You know, I probably like things that others don't, there's different priorities on different people's life. And I probably have a different priority in regards to the visual things that I see and, and what I like, but it was a good movie. Mm. It was definitely worthwhile watching. Um, yeah. I'm going to make time to say it, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cause pretty much almost everyone I've interviewed so far has always said Joker. Yeah, like, it's it's the story it's, is amazing. The way it's been told is really nice. Um, now you'll know why you know Batman's after him, <laughs> <laughs> which you already know. <laughs> yeah, personally for me, like I I resonated more with the Dark Knight. <clears throat> yeah, Joker, Heath Ledger's. Joker. Yeah, I thought that was. Oh, that guy's a legend, man. Phenomenal. We'll like, never forget him. <laughs> no, definitely not. It's such a talent. Lost too early. But um, anyway, what's next for you? Next for me, um, like I was saying, um, now I'm preparing workshops at this stage. Um, uh, there's a lot of things happening. There's one more launch coming up. Um, in November, I'll be traveling to Dubai, running a workshop there with Nikon. So we got Nikon, Zhiyun, Aperture, I think DD Microphones on, Atomos, a few companies on board on this. So it's, um, it's very cool. I'm going to be going to Dubai first, and after that, I'm going to be going to Cairo in Egypt running a workshop there, then two workshops in Johannesburg, two workshops in Cape Town. I don't know if I'm going to Bangkok after that, probably might fly into Bangkok to do a quick workshop there and then come back to Sydney. Be in Sydney for a few days. Um, I might have another shoot early January, but if not, or if so, it depends on what it is, the dates, I'm off to US. Um, um, hey mate, if if the ticket doesn't get booked for US, I'm kind of embarrassed, but um, <laughs> they did say they're booking me the ticket. I'm off to US. I'm going to go to Tahoe area. We want to shoot something in snow. Um, um, I've shot everything with Australian actors and Australian environment. Um, when someone puts a DP or cinematographer or a director in a, in a place where they're not normally there, it just all of these things starts coming out of your head. Like, you know, you start thinking what to do. Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> What's happening is we're just collaborating. Um, we're going to go make a short film or probably a few short films and let's see who kind of comes on board to help us out on this and um, and submit it to film festivals. And the main idea is to use American actors and he's going to direct, I'm going to film. Um, and possibly if everything works out, then we might have another feature film coming in February off to Fiji. Um, it's all happening. It's man. all happening. <laughs> it's all happening. But you know the thing is, you have to create the opportunities. It won't be there. You have to make it happen. Um, that's what filmmaking is. Fifth bit of advice. Good way to end. Really appreciate you coming on the Storybox podcast, Ra. No worries at all. Sharing your stories and all the best. Thank you so much. Nice, nice to speak to you again. Thank you, Rav, for coming on the Storybox podcast and sharing your stories with us. Really, really do appreciate it. So, what did you guys think? Now's your time to, well now's my time to really rant about the Storybox and how you guys can share and uh, what you can do to help the Storybox grow. Uh, so really do appreciate you guys already just listening in. Uh, but if you did get something out of it, please, please do share it around. Uh, leave a review, a nice comment. I've been seeing quite a few of those lately. So love it, keep it coming guys. There's a lot more exciting guests coming up. Uh, we've got actually a PT, coming on next week so he debunks some very very interesting health and fitness uh, myths 
Um, and some, some of them you could say they're kind of not miss, like they're actually used in, in quite a few people's lives today that I, that I know of. Um, but he just gets on, he shares his opinion. There's a lot of good stuff on there as well. So anyway, guys, um, keep up to date on Instagram and social media, uh, like Facebook and yeah, Instagram as, as well. Um, really do appreciate you guys actually listening in once again. Um, and until next time, guys, don't forget to share your stories. Before I go, uh, I do want to say, please, if you can, pray and, and donate um, your time, resources, whatever, to, to the cause of Australia is currently on fire. Uh, there's a lot of fires going around. There's a lot of Australians being affected by it. And a lot of people are scared. Um, a lot of people are angry as well, frustrated. Um, but we just need to... Uh, put all that aside we need to band together as australians as one if you're not an australian if you live in a different country and you're hearing this then just please pray and do whatever you can to help australia out um help the people of australia um in their time of need as well um there's a lot of people that have gone without uh, their homes they've lost them and animals as well lost their lives um, so it's a very very big ordeal and we need everyone just to stand together and, and be as one you know um, and to help each other out so uh, if you can do that please do that uh, but until next time guys thank you so much for listening and don't forget to share your stories have a good one <laughs>